Welcome to Expositional Excerpts. I'm your host, Matthew Pilch. I pastor Grace Fellowship Baptist Church in Port St. Lucie, Florida. Let's dive into the Word. In today's episode, we will be picking up in Genesis 1, verse 6, and we'll see how far we can get here, but I think we've laid the groundwork to really work through a significant portion of the chapter, just wanting to touch on certain things. But we've already established that God is the creator as declared in the Bible, and his self-existence is assumed in the very beginning. There is no argumentation for his existence, just that he does exist right there in verse 1. And we know that everything that is created and that verb to create is unique to God and God alone. There's nobody else that it's ever used of. Mankind does not create in the way that God does, uh, but everything that was created was created by him. And of course, this is backed up for us in the New Testament in John chapter 1. And so we see that. And what we saw uh, in the previous episode was that in the very first day, what we have in verse 2 is a picture of the beginning of the first day. So there, we know that there was a time when verse 2 was not a reality. Uh, because in the beginning, God, there's only God. And then at some point, there is an earth. And we know that by virtue of the way that everything else in this chapter is laid out, he had to speak it into existence. But when he spoke the earth into existence... He didn't speak it into existence in its final form. And so over the course of the next six days, he has to give form to the earth, which is why verse two tells us that it is formless without form. And it's also empty. It's void. And it's a water world. Very interesting because it's unique among the planets that we can observe as far as the chemical makeup uh, and and the biological makeup of of the world and everything. and, And really of all the worlds that we know, I know that scientists uh, speculate as we discover more things uh, and planets out there that there's got to be something out there that is very similar to Earth as far as a water-based and carbon-based life forms. But the fact of the matter is, is that's just speculation. We don't have concrete proof of it. We do know that the Earth was made especially by God for the animals and for humankind, the image bearers. And so as we move into that, then we discover that there is this formless world that is a water world. It's chaotic. That's the formless part. And it's empty. All that's there is waters and deep and darkness. And we saw the second person, the triunity there, the spirit. And then God starts to give it form. And so we're going we're gonna to discover that form is a large part of the first three days, and then there are corresponding filling uh, that have happens within each of those forms. So as we work through this, the first aspect of the form that he gives to this world is day and night and light and darkness. And that's the first aspect of it. Now, uh, he's going to fill the day and the night. And that's going to come on day four in verses 14 to 19. He's going to fill that and the expanse of the sky with the luminaries, the heavenly bodies, right? The greater light to rule the day, the lesser light to rule the night. 
And so we see that he's going to do that. But let's let's work through everything, understanding then that the first three days are really going to fill out the form, and then the last three days are going to uh, the first three days are going to provide the form, and the last three days are going to fill out the form. So as we continue then in verse six, God said. And God said, let there be an expanse in the midst of the waters and let it separate the waters from the waters. And God made an expanse and separated the waters that were under the expanse from the waters that were above the expanse. And it was so, and God called the expanse heaven and there was evening and there was morning a second day. Here, as he's continuing to provide form, we discover not only is there night and day, and again, we see that that structure, that grammatical structure, there was evening and morning the second day. These are literal 24-hour periods here. It cannot be construed in any other way. Now the second part to the form isn't just light and dark, but now what we would call sea and sky. And we discover that this early world, and we would call this now in this point in history, the antediluvian world, the scientific name, uh, the diluvian is the flood. And of course, we're referring to the flood of Genesis uh, chapter six to to eight there. Uh, But the world that existed before the flood was very different than the world that you and I now live in, in the years since the flood. And we're told here in verse six, and seven, uh, explicitly, that there is a water barrier above what, where the land is going to be. And then there's waters below, and then there's something in the mist, which we now call the heavens, which is the air. And this, by the way, gets reference, even though we don't have a solid water uh, canopy, so to speak. We have clouds now, and we have the clear sky, and we can see stars at night and so forth. But by the time you get all the way to the end of the Bible in the book of Revelation, you discover that as God's pouring out his judgment, the Daniel 70th week, uh, what you discover is uh, that over the course of of some of the, the judgments that are being poured out, you have angels standing in the midst of the heavens. And it seems that they're standing up in the sky in this very spot that is declared to us by these scriptures here in these verses. So he made the expanse, he separated the waters that were under the expanse, that's the the sky, from the waters that were above the expanse, that would be what we would call a water barrier canopy or a water vapor canopy, and it was so. So he creates that, and this also can help explain from just a scientific standpoint how it is that uh, life forms grew to be so large. and also how people lived so long. I mean, what we have is a a global, what's called a barometric barometric pressure chamber. Uh, So even today, we have the ability to replicate that uh, super oxygenated uh, and and water, right? So pro athletes who sustain a muscle injury can recover uh, much, much faster, not just incrementally faster, but much, much faster if they're able to use barometric pressure treatment. And we discover that this would be the state of the world back then as he created it. So it's very interesting to consider these things. And this also explains the source of the floodwaters in addition to the great wells of the deep that come later on. If the skies open up and they've never opened up before, and the skies have never returned to the antediluvian state that they were. There was a lot of water up in the skies waiting to fall down to the earth, plus the great wells of the deep that science has now confirmed. 
we now know where all of that water was. It comes in on day two, which does provide form to this world. And that's day two right there, verses six, seven, and eight. Then we go on in verses nine all the way through 13, and we discover the third day of creation, which is told us in verse 13, evening and morning, the third day, again, another 24-hour literal period of time. And here, this is the last one that provides form. He's giving the structure and the form to this world. So he's now given it structure with light and day, the 24-hour cycle. He's now given it structure uh, between uh, that which is below from that which is above and the sky. And he's going to have to fill all these things up. There's still no life there. There's just water. And now on day three, we discover the creation that gives us, again, form is a fertile earth. And this is a form because he's then going to fill the earth. And so what we read in these verses is just providing the form to be filled with the other life that is coming. So we're also told here that while plant life is wonderful, it's not the same as the living life that is going to fill it in the verses that follow. So in verse nine, We read this, and God said, let the waters under the heaven be gathered together in one place and let dry land appear. So he's working with water in a lot of these, but now he's, he's moving it aside so that dry land can appear. And it was so again, all of this is happening at God's command. He just speaks it and it happens. This isn't something that he has to labor and toil over that he's worn out per se. And then in verse 10, we read this, God called the dry land earth and the waters that were gathered together, he called seas and God saw that it was good. Again, a moral proclamation. We're going to find that again in the superlative form at the end of the chapter. So now we have the emergence of dry land. We're not quite to the end of the day though. And so part of this form and structure to this otherwise what started off as a chaotic world that was formless and void, now as part of the form, as we mentioned a moment ago in verse 11, is going to include vegetation. And God said, let the earth sprout vegetation, plants yielding seed and fruit bearing trees uh, and fruit bearing trees, fruit in which is their seed, each according to its kind on the earth. And it was so. So now we have plants and then we have the uh, accomplishment of that. He says, let this be done. Verse 12, it happens. The earth brought forth vegetation, plants yielding seed according to their own kinds, trees bearing fruit in which is their seed, each according to its kind. And God saw that it was good. And there was evening and there was morning the third day. One of the things that we also have to keep in mind as we're being introduced to it here in verses 11 and 12 is the emergence of what are called kinds, categories. And we still divide the animal kingdom and even the plant kingdom up accordingly. But what he's saying is there are categories of vegetation. Not all vegetation is the same. And we're going to find that in the animal world as well. And this helps us to hang our hat. It gives us a framework to hang our hat on the the world that we can see around us and has for years, really ever since the time that this, uh, since the scriptures were given. So that's day three. 
Now we move on to day four and we're gonna move back through the process. So day one, light and dark, day two, sea and sky, day three, fertile earth. Now we're gonna circle back to the light and the dark and we're gonna fill each of these out and we're gonna work through the same progression. Very interesting how it works through this. Day four is gonna to correspond to day one, day five is gonna to correspond to day two, and day six, you guessed it, will correspond to day three. So in day four, we read this starting in verse 14. And God said, let there be lights in the expanse of the heavens to separate the day from the night and let them be for signs and for seasons and for days and years. And let them be lights in the expanse of the heavens to give light upon the earth. And it was so. And God made the two light, great lights, the greater light to rule the day, the lesser light to rule the night and the stars or I like it as the King James says, and the stars also, almost as an afterthought. And God set them in the expanse of the heavens to give light on the earth, to rule over the day and over the night, and to separate the light from the darkness. And God saw that it was good. There's that moral proclamation again. And there was evening and there was morning the fourth day. Again, another uh, formula there that we have now well established in chapter one of a 24-hour cycle. Now, uh, this light and darkness and the lights and the stars, the greater light, which we understand to be the sun and the lesser light, which we understand to be the moon, as well as the stars are filling out the light and the dark that he has already created in day one to be form over this world. And now he's filled it. So lights, uh, and let them be in the expanse of the heaven heavens. And we notice from this as well that everything in all of creation is for our measurement. It's, it's for the people who are on earth. We are not just some subset in the vastness of the universe that literally the stars are there for us to understand the seasons. We can measure the, the time of year that we are by the position of the sun in the sky. And you've probably seen those pictures where the, some photographer goes to this exact same place on the first of every month or whatever it is and photographs the sun, you know, at this exact time, not, not the time because the time would be different. No, I guess it is at the exact time. And then the, the sun over the course of this time moves up and down over the course of 12 months and also from east to west there's great movement we can measure where we are in the year by that and then it repeats itself and so he's setting up this annual cycle where we can do that and then there are going to be seasonal changes and we can then measure the seasonal changes based on the position of the sun and the stars all of these things are set for our benefit this isn't affecting the rest of the universe this is for us and he says explicitly here that this is the purpose of it. So we don't want to stray too far from that and, and just get lost in the vastness of the universe. We have to remember, as God has declared to us through his word, that this is what it is for. It is for our benefit. It is so that we can measure time, so that we can understand that God is the one that put it there. So he fills out the light and the darkness with the sun and the moon and the stars. And again, I, like I said, I mentioned that when I was reading it, that the King James says there at the end of verse 16 and the stars also, it, it feels like an afterthought. And yet we can't number the stars. He even knows that we can't number the stars. Only God knows the true number of stars that he has created. But when he takes Abram out and he says, look up in the sky, consider the stars, see if you can count them. And so will your descendants be that was 
uh, a question that was a proposition that Abraham could not do. He can't actually count the stars. And so it's, it's really amazing because it's given barely any space in the text that the creation of billions, maybe trillions of stars, we don't know the number. We're still discovering more each and every year as our technology improves. He just created them all here on day four, and they were all there, and he knows them all, and he even calls them by name as the scriptures tell us later. And yet it almost seems like it was an afterthought. You talk about the power of God. It is absolutely incredible as we see it in our scripture today. So that's verse, uh, that's day four, verses 14 and 19. Then, of course, we're going to move to day five, which is going to correspond to day two, the sea and the sky. Well, what do you expect? If this is going to fill out the structure that he's given with the sea and the sky, what sorts of creatures do you think we're going to encounter on day five? Well, it's going to be the creatures that dwell in the water and the creatures uh, that live and have the ability to go about in the air, right? That's exactly what you would expect, and that's exactly what you find, verses 20 to 23. And God said, let the waters swarm with swarms of living creatures, and let birds fly above the earth across the expanse of the heavens. So that's the declaration Verse 21, so God created the great sea creatures and every living creature that moves with which the waters swarm according to their kinds. There's that language again. And every winged bird according to its kind, categories of living creatures. And God saw that it was good, moral proclamation. Verse 22, and God blessed them saying, be fruitful and multiply and fill the waters and the seas and let the birds multiply on the earth. And there was evening and morning the fifth day. There's that grammatical formula. And we know that this is a 24 hour lunar cycle, the fifth day. We have the moral proclamation. We have the division by kind, both in the sea and in the air. Then we have the mandate to fill. Now this is interesting because it's fill the waters and the seas, let the birds multiply on the earth. What we think of the as, as the Edenic mandate given to mankind is mankind is supposed to be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth. That's going to come later in chapter two. But to the animals, he gives a similar mandate. And so we discover that God loves life and he has created life and he is a very aware of all the living creatures. We can back that up in other scriptures later. I mean, Jesus was talking about how God knows that we have needs in the Sermon on the Mount. And he says, consider the lilies of the field. Solomon in all his glory was not clothed in the splendor of these. That's that's day four, the plants, right? Uh, or not day four, sorry, the fertile earth, day three. <laughs> uh, that That's that's the, the, the plant life. And he is very well aware of them and he clothes them in, clothes them in their beauty. Day five, the creatures of the water and the air, and he takes care of them. And we discover in the New Testament that a sparrow doesn't even fall to the earth without the father's knowledge. And he provides shelter for them and he wants them to be fruitful and multiply. And that's why we can fish in the oceans and still find fish thousands of years later because the fish are multiplying and the sea creatures are multiplying. And he even says the great sea creatures and, and the living creature that moves with which the waters swarm. It's just incredible. God's view of life and his appreciation of that. So that's day five. So 
we've gotten the form and the structure, light and darkness, sea and sky. We've got a fertile earth. That's all part of the structure. Now he's filled out the light and the darkness with the sun and the moon and the stars. He's filled out the sea and the sky with the creatures of the water and of the air, animal life for sea and sky life, you know, the birds. And now as we come to day six, what do you expect? Well, we're going to address day three, the fertile earth. What is he going to fill the earth with? The earth, we already have dry land. We already have plants. And now we're going to fill it with animals and not just animals, but also man. Verse 24, and God said, let the earth bring forth living creatures according to their kinds. There's the division by kind again, livestock and creeping things and beasts of the earth according to their kinds. And it was so. And so he's giving us a broad categorization of all the animals that we can find on earth. Verse 25, and God made the beasts of the earth according to their kinds and the livestock according to their kinds and everything that creeps on the ground according to its kind. And God saw that it was good. So you have wild animals. There are the beasts of the earth, livestock, domesticated, what we're going to farm and cultivate over the years and have. And God has mandated that. And uh, it's been that way ever since God created the world. And everything that creeps on the earth, a separate category, not just a wild beast, but this is going to be smaller creatures and lizards and snakes and those types of things, and even probably the bugs that creeps on the ground according to its kind. Everything is categorized by kind, but there's diversity within that. God, his ability to create is unmatched. It's un, uh, it's unrivaled. There, it's, just, it's beyond our comprehension. We have the ability to reflect creation, but not in the way that he can, and his imagination is infinitely beyond our imagination so that he can create all of this, and there's so much diversity. It's incredible. But then he says, he takes a break here, and as he looks at the work of his hands with the living creatures, the beasts and the domestic uh, animals, the cattle, the livestock, right, as well as the creeping things, he says, okay, this is great, and he does it, and he gives a moral proclamation at the end of verse 25, and God saw that it was good. And then, that's not the only thing in verse 26. Part of that day six is going to be the creation of man. I think that's going to merit its own discussion. So we won't even get into that because we're already at the limit here. But we are going to cover then the rest of day six and dive into what is what is implied here, what is actually not just implied, but stated outright and the and the implications of that uh, as we go on then to finish out the days of creation, which is the sixth day and what God had to say about it. This has been another podcast of Expositional Excerpts with Pastor Matthew Pilch. If you'd like more information, please visit our church website at gfbc.net.